getting down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is here. I am. And um, as as going to become a theme right through till November, we have um, more discussion tonight on the sheriff's race, um, folks. I, I have to tell you that um, this is the most interesting political race, really, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually would even say maybe New England. Yeah. Um, you've got some congressional races that matter in New Hampshire, but New Hampshire doesn't matter. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So there are more people in Bristol County probably than in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, but this is the um, um, the most important race, and because there's a real difference between the candidates, um, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But of course, um, whenever we call, he's here. Uh, Sheriff Tom Hodgson um, ha- has come into the studio tonight. He'll be taking your phone calls uh, as well at 508-996-0500. Um, we'll obviously discuss politics, but um, for, for what we can discuss or what he can discuss, um, you've had a, um, a suicide at the jail. Um, Sheriff Hodgson, um, what can you address on that matter? Well, first of all, um, I what I can tell you is that this individual that he, he he burned his mother to death in the front yard <clears throat> was picked up by state police he was brought uh, at the time he was he was saying he was going to hurt himself or what have you um, of course we don't know any of this at our place at the time it's going on at right. the time all right. this is happening <clears throat> and the state police take him to Cape Cod Hospital okay he goes to Cape Cod Hospital where they have a psychiatric ward and they do an evaluation on the individual um, they do their mental health evaluation and somewhere along the way, and we know nothing about this either, and didn't when he was brought to us, but supposedly there was some conversation between the DA um, and the doctor at that hospital. Um, That's the Cape Cod DA. Cape Cod. Yeah. Okay. And, and and what's really strange about it, 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 something doesn't smell right around this thing, because what happened is, <clears throat> apparently, as we understand it, the DA was talking along to the doctor at that hospital. The doctor was saying, yeah, he should. this guy should be put over at Bridgewater, uh, committed to Bridgewater. Okay. They called Bridgewater. Bridgewater said no. Uh, they called a judge. Excuse me. Um, so the the judge actually spoke to the doctor. Okay. Right. And then the judge ordered that this guy be taken to Bridgewater. Now my staff know nothing about any of this. Is all uh, after the fact. Okay. Um, so so Bridgewater said no. We're not going to take the guy. Uh, apparently the state police called Barnstable. Barnstable. They couldn't reach anybody. I think their regional is not open right now. And. Um, do you, do you know why? So that literally, is? the phone is ringing, and no one. I, I know that I know I, I know Plymouth, and I I believe Barnstable shut theirs down during COVID. And so, do you at Ash Street take their? We um, do. Okay. Yeah. Look, here's the problem, and why I opened this regional lockup when I first took over as sheriff is, police officers aren't trained to, for care and custody. It puts them at risk for liability to get sued and everything else. 
unnecessarily. It keeps them from getting back on the street to protect our neighborhoods. And it also is a risk for the people that they're holding, right? If you have somebody who's not trained in care and custody. So for all those reasons, it made all the sense in the world when Governor Salucci was in. He came down. I opened that thing up, and we've been running it ever since. Um, and, and I will service every department that needs it so that we don't have the prisoners in, in a uh, difficult situation, potentially, and the, and the officers as well. So, so anyhow, so, so what happens in this case is they come to us. Uh, they, call, they call us then and say, hey, can, can so we... So it's literally nobody answers the phone in Bonsable County. Well, well, so... Hey, well, the, sorry, go ahead. The, 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 state, the attorney um, said, O'Keefe said that, um, district attorney said that he couldn't reach anybody. So they called us, and of course, they state police use us all the time. We've had people mm-hmm. from, from outside our, our county, from the Bourne Barrack, uh, which we, we, we're all in partnership together, so we help. So anyway, they bring him, this guy, to us. And they say, they give us a paper that says the guy was brought to Cape Cod Hospital. He's been medically cleared, and that's a standard we have. If there's any kind of issue, somebody has a medical issue or a mental health issue, and a police department brings them to us, we make sure that they get clearance. They have to be cleared by the hospital before they can bring him to us. Okay. So here I am. I'm the lieutenant. Let's say I'm the lieutenant at booking. They bring the guy in to our trap. They say, here's the paperwork. It says... You know, mental health uh, screening, right? Medically cleared, right? Psychiatric evaluation, medically cleared. My guys, in those instances, right away, if somebody's medically cleared for police custody, there's no issue. Put them in. They put, but but, and this is where people should have been applauding us, not not coming after us and blaming us for this problem. Um, they should be applauding my lieutenant who was in charge of booking because what he did, he said, to, he said, you know what? This is a high profile case with a lot of publicity. Let's put him in a Ferguson, which is a, it's like a protective thing, takes his clothes away. So he couldn't use his clothes to hurt himself if by chance he wanted to. Okay. Right. But, but because the other inmates will know probably about his case. Will the the other inmates in the facility, it's so high profile, they'll know about his case. Well, they could, they They could, could, they could, they could hear it, you know, if they were listening to a radio or something like that. Okay. But, but, but the point is it already been highly publicized. So, so in those instances, we pay the attention when Aaron Hernandez came in, we looked at all those things right up front, same reasons, right? Not that we necessarily thought he was going to commit suicide, but that those kinds of things can make people start to, to maybe think about it. So we took an extra precaution, put him into Ferguson. So, so. Instead of people applauding us, and, and my opponent, of course, he, he jumped right on this thing, doesn't really know anything about corrections. He, he, he used it to, to gain, try to gain political points. And, you know, that family went through hell sure. that weekend. You know, the whole the, the mother dying and the family. And to use that for a political uh, opportunity to try to gain points when, when in fact, you weren't, didn't even have the facts and you were accusing. And he, he really is my, my staff an apology. He ought to be ashamed of himself for doing this. Because we're all about high standards. We've been nationally accredited. We just had our review, our three-day review by the National Commission on Correctional Health Care. We have consistently, for all the inspections over the years, passed those with flying colors. You know what they said to us? I was at the last, at the, at the closeout session. This was just this past week. The chairman said, and these are people from one doctor, the people from, they inspect everything, your files, everything. They look at your suicides, all that stuff, which happened in jails all over the country, and said, your culture here is amazing. There are people in corrections that would be jealous of what you have here. And you know, your suicide program meets all of our standards. The, the compliments were unbelievable. And he said at the end, Sheriff, I want to tell you something. 
if I were ever going to get back into corrections, I'd be applying right here in Bristol County. But, but Tom, just just to just to advance the story, um, the guy's in a Ferguson right now, mm-hmm. right? Which just does not sound good, but but that's a safety procedure. The, but one one we didn't have to implement, right? One you didn't have to. It wasn't called for by 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 when we got him. And but he is dead. He is dead, and that's very sad. Yeah, sad for my staff because we're in the business of that. That for us, you could none of this had anything to do, and the past suicides we've had have nothing to do with the inner workings of our operation. Okay, staff problems. This people that commit suicide, and if anybody really looked into it and understood it, in in these prisons, that's why they have such a problem in prisons. They're not going to let you know, and that's why we train our people. If somebody has a bad phone call. If somebody's on a phone call and they leave, get, walk, walk away and they're pissed and they start acting out, call mental health right away. Okay. Just have them check in on them. Okay. Right? So we're always on the front of No officer, no mental health person wants to ever. But do you know what's interesting? In a mental health, mental health facilities, I read this not too long ago, mental health nurses who have a career in mental health facilities will, on average experienced six suicides in their career. Wow. Inside a mental health institution, never mind a jail, right? So are they all bad? Are they do they all not have good policies yeah. and procedures? Well so let's let's actually talk about that because one of the criticisms that was brought up by um by your opponent, Mayor Haru, was that um they cited a, a, a twenty eighteen um report and I know you've been quoted in, in the report, so I know that you're familiar with it from the New England uh, New England Center for Investigative yeah, Reporting. Yep. Yes. Um, so what they were saying is uh, in a 12-year span from 2006 to 2018, the time of the reporting, that Bristol County was a, was responsible for a quarter of all uh, county jail suicides uh, in the Commonwealth. Um, there was a, they also, I think he also might have cited, or I, I might have read this elsewhere, there was an audit in 2019 that said that while um, there were uh, a, a decrease in suicides in uh, most county jails throughout the country, there was an increase in suicides in Bristol County jails. So I think one of the criticisms coming from your opponent and, and, and opponents of you in, in, in particular um, is that, uh, that you're not doing enough um, for suicide prevention they're, and they're citing hard data to, to, to uh, back that up so what they need to do is tell me specifically what we're not doing that they would do and they won't be able to tell you anything because the guy who runs our medical operation at our place he specializes in suicides we're the only sheriff's office in the commonwealth of massachusetts that has a behavioral unit to deal with people like this and guess what middlesex had a guy they couldn't handle and they they, they tried and they sent him to us and you know what he went through our behavioral unit, went right back to Middlesex, no more problems. So we're, we're, on, we're right on the cutting edge of this stuff. Every sheriff's office in the Commonwealth, if you want to go by numbers, yeah. you can also do a comparative study of what the differences are in the populations in those counties and what the higher risks are for the kinds of populations you have. For example, the drug use in this area, right? And the, and, and the, the problems that we have of people with mental health issues in this area will be different than some of these other counties. So so unless you can tell me that we, and this is the problem with what these critics do, they don't anything about it. They don't, they don't drill into it. These guys who are claiming we have more suicides, okay, that's great to say that, but now let me ask you a question. What exactly aren't we doing? Because we're constantly evaluating this stuff. We have, I said, we've been nationally accredited. They go through all our stuff. Are they all wrong? Are all these people wrong? And do you believe for any, for one second, Marcus, I know you, I don't, I'm not saying you do, but I'm saying, does anybody really believe 
that for 25 years that that all of a sudden we just ignore the suicides that we're doing things wrong and just creating this environment so people can commit suicides and our people aren't doing the job and it has something to do with us because you'd have to believe that all those professionals that do this for a living and do the accreditations from different parts of the country are all complicit in helping us keep an environment that's, that helps people, promotes the idea that people could easily commit suicide and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. I suppose the, uh, I suppose um, they could maybe argue that there's the, the standards uh, should be higher, but then again, that wouldn't be your fault. Um, are, so there's the suggestion that uh, Bristol County, uh, residents of Bristol County are at higher risk for suicide than residents of other counties in the Commonwealth? Well, no, my point to you is that demographically, you have to look at the populations and look at the problems that the people have in those areas. And we have a serious problem with drugs and mental health problems. We, everybody knows that in relation to, I mean, Springfield's got problems, but this area has traditionally, we're along heroin highway here, right? Right. So we have a lot of serious problems with this. And so when we do this, Marcus, look, if anybody that would believe that our people would ever want to just say, I don't care whether this guy dies or not, it, it just they, they're just saying it because they, they, they don't want to really know the truth. Our people, our people, honestly, we take pride. And when you, I'll, I'll share, I can't share with you now, but I'll share with you the comments from the, the accreditation chairman that just came. And we have several where they would, independent, right? I came into the review. I wasn't there when they were doing the review or anything else. But at our closeout session, I couldn't believe how complimentary, and it wasn't just him, all the, all the other inspectors or four inspectors, all absolutely common. Yeah, you guys, your culture's amazing. You guys are amongst the best in the nation. And that's all about our medical care. Uh, Tom, um, Sheriff Hodgson, we, um, you, you brought it up earlier because um, Aaron Hernandez as a and good example. by the example. way, we'll get to your calls at 508 Yeah, please, Daniel. He's going to be here for two hours. So. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll ask we'll, our If questions. you're on the line, stay on the line. Yeah. We'll get to you. you. You'll have to share them with You guys are going to do like three, because last time I was supposed to be here an hour, and you asked me to stay for two, and I was we happy to do gonna, it. We're definitely going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely going to do that. No, no, we'll see. Whatever. Whatever Aaron Hernandez. So let, let's face it. As sad as it is, um, suicide is a fairly anonymous um, thing, right? Most people... Sad as it is, I have friends who've killed themselves. We all probably do. Um, we've, I'm not saying we forget about them, but we certainly forget about the case. Certainly if it's a stranger who kills himself, we, we don't dwell on it. One of the ones we do know about, because it was a high-profile athlete, and, and it's, I think it's a very interesting case because is Aaron Hernandez. You mentioned him. He came through your facility. He survived in your facility. Um, it was only when he went to the state that he killed himself. Um, After a not guilty verdict. Right, right. Well, that, who would have thought? Right, yeah. So He did get a guilty verdict before then. He was, but he was but wouldn't, that have been, that. wouldn't that have been a time that you would have thought that he might be yeah. desperate and do something? It was on appeal. It was on appeal. Yeah, but yeah. But, but the not guilty for killing two people, you would not You would have expected he would have been elated. Right. right. But that's the difficulties and complications. So we've got a bunch of calls on the line, and before the lines are actually full, so we got to clear these calls. Um, but before I get to them, I have one question uh, left about this particular situation. Sure. Is there any regrets that your office has in the handling of Mr. Ho at Astry? Any regrets? Yeah. Yeah. The only regret is that we wish that we got we got accurate information that the, that there was conversations with a judge and that this guy was suicidal because when when you get a, when you get a document from the hospital that says. Did a did a uh, mental health um, uh, screening of this guy, you know, a psychiatric screening, and then said he's cleared for for 
police custody. Yeah, we would, that, that's the regret we have. And, and of so course, no the regret is you, we would have liked to have him never had at, at no successful. Point do you have the redundancy where you go back and do a second mental eval on a guy after the hospital clears him, right? I mean, no. And, right. and, and, if, and if we thought that, of course, right. our mental health people, but, but to the lieutenant's credit, right. he chose to just say, you know what, this high profile case, let's just let, let's put him in a, in a uh, Ferguson. Right. And he notified medical. And I know he doesn't have it. It's not called for for him to be in, in this, but we're going to put on 15 minute security watch and put him into Ferguson. All right. We, we got to go. We got to get to these calls. Sure. Um, and uh, someone was on patient and dropped off the line. So if you want to call in 508 996 0500, so I can talk to the sheriff. Good evening. You're live with Sheriff Hodgson. Uh, hey, Sheriff Hodgson. Hey, uh, I just got to say, I think. Um, I think you're the best politician uh, down here on the south coast of Bristol County. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm not. I've always and and uh, forgive me when I say this, but um, I've I've never really considered myself actually a politician, other than the fact I have to run for office. But but I, I right. Uh, so I guess my follow up, Sheriff Hodgson, is that while I think you're a great politician, I think that you're just running a jail that's out of control over there. Can you be specific? It is. Can you be specific? So, yeah. So going back to 98 and 01, Mm -hmm. you've had riots after riots, (laughs) one where a CEO was held hostage for 35 minutes. Yes, we did. You've had millions of dollars of damage caused by detainees. I don't think you have any control over what's going on there. Um, I also know that if I were someone that had a nephew, a son, a family member that had to go into one of your jails, I'd be worried. Because I'd know that any other county, they'd have a much better chance of coming out alive. Sure. So, Sheriff Hodgson, I think you should resign. Well, I think you need to go. Yeah. Because right now it's unsafe. Tom, I have health. a pen right here. You'll have, you you'll have your chance. For, you'll have your chance. No, no, give me, give me one moment. Well, okay, and then this you're going to give me a moment. Second death in Ash Street this month. About a month ago to the day, we don't know why someone died. No one's ever explained it. Well, was it an OD? Was it a fight? Well, there was a man from Attleboro that died at Ash Street just last month. Didn't yes. get any publicity about it because it wasn't a crazy case. Two deaths in one month. So and the most people are the whole, okay. Call her. So, okay, all right. Call so, okay, so we, we got to let the sheriff respond. I, I, I'm going to guess you're not voting for me, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but but let me just let me just correct you on a number of different things. You know, you can go. You you can find riots in all kinds of jails. When I took the, took over Bristol County, there was a lot of things that needed to change. Inmates couldn't be out all at once. They needed. They were. Um, they basically, you know, were out in large numbers, always, you know, creating a threat to our officers. I changed all that. I Astry Jail today is the cleanest, quietest, safest jail in the country. It's the oldest operating jail. I just had the uh, the inspection done on our our medical um, uh, accreditation. And they said, your places, your, your facilities are meticulous. They're clean. And they said, and they made a note right there, especially Astry. Now, you've heard all these woke people, the lefters, they've been saying, hey, Sheriff, tell everybody how you're taking the, the seizure medication away from the inmates, and they're falling off their bunks having, having seizures. All lies. Right. The, the place is filthy. They, get, they have inadequate food. Look. I've been in this business for 25 years. I have an amazing staff. And the guy that, the caller that just called in, if he's got an argument about these things and he really thinks we're so bad, then he has to, he should be arguing with the Department of Public Health, all the federal agencies that have inspected us, the American Correctional Association, the National Commission on Correctional Health Care, because they all disagree with them. 
And they're the experts in the business that come in and inspect us. Things happen in jails. Of course they do. And, and um, question. Can I ask one question about a, a specific point of contention where I think we might get some clarity? Go ahead. Okay. So you and Attorney General Healy yep. have gone back and forth about what happened on May 1st, 2020. I'm glad you brought this up. Go ahead. You claim... Alejandro Mayorkas is not letting you release that video. That's right. I think you're not telling the truth, and I don't think you provided any any evidence as to why you can't release the video, mm-hmm. because you've been saying since May 2nd, the video is going to set you free, is going to prove that you were telling the truth the whole time. Yep. And you've been saying that. So let me for answer your question. Years now. So let me answer. I don't believe you. Okay. Well, okay. And this, listen, listen, listen. Okay. Hey, call listen, call listen. Call All right. So I've given call. you, I've given you a good amount of time no, with the sheriff. Me, I'm going to let him answer. Let and answer I, I got to get okay. to these okay. other calls. And, yeah. And, and and I'm glad. I appreciate the, caller, the call. Thank I'm, you. I'm glad the caller ended with that with that question because it it, it further exp- undermines his credibility. Number one, uh, he's he's dead wrong about the the whole video. In fact. We've asked, and we did it finally in writing when the federal government wouldn't send it to us because they they still have not given us the final investigation. Okay, right. they still haven't completed the report, and we knew it was ready to go over a year and a half ago. But you addressed that on this program yep, about two months. And the administration changed hands, and they wanted all our ice stuff out. They didn't want it because that's their, their philosophy: let all the illegals come into the country and let the drugs pour into our communities. So the truth is, we sent a letter to Washington. We didn't get a response, so then we sent a certified letter and said, we want to release these tapes. Send us something that shows you will not object to us doing it because the investigation still isn't done after two and a half years. Mara Healy, where are the charges? You accuse my people of violating state law and violating the, cost, the civil rights of these people. What, what this caller doesn't know, and a lot of other people don't know, is I got 205 pages of a Freedom of Information request that ties the ACLU into this whole debacle of an attempt to try to shut down the ICE operations because it, because they were they are pro-illegal people. And I have the documents. We have not released them. And it shows the trail going a year. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I think um, I think it was, um, um, no, excuse me, a month or a month and a half prior to that incident even happening. And what this guy doesn't know, this caller, a month before that, that disturbance happened, I was in that same unit, and those same detainees gave me a standing ovation. This was caused by a guy inside the incitement. Sorry, I have to get to the phones. Just to um, sure. Well, that guy took up a lot of time. So the um, the reality of it is, is that we t- we addressed this two months ago yep. here, Marcus, and I asked you. Why has the attorney general not filed charges? She's about to pass the gavel, right? Mm-hmm. In all likelihood, to Miss Campbell, very lovely lady. Without ever filing charges against you, which I can imagine would be a dream come true to sure. her and the activists that support her, uh, as it would probably for a Republican attorney general against a similarly uh, Democrat sheriff. She has not filed any charge against you or your staff. No, she hasn't. And she accused us in a, in a report of saying we violated state law. Thereby refusing to give you, you and your staff right. a day and, in court. And, and the other thing I'll, I'll mention quickly, because I know Marcus wants to go next call, but, yeah. but, but the thing is, Mar Healy has weaponized her office ever since I've been in, and, and, and I will tell you that because in 18, she sent a letter to the governor and said, I've gotten several complaints, i.e., the, the, the left-wing progressives here in New Bedford, the, the Bristol County Correctional Justice, all them, saying that the Bristol County Sheriff's Office is filthy, it's this, it's, I've gotten all kinds of complaints. She sent it to the governor, said, I want the, the Department of Corrections to, 
do a full audit of the sheriff's office, and she sent it to the press. Not right. me. Right. Not me. Okay? <laughs> Let me be less at this point. Last point. So, so I wrote her back and told her, number one, how dare you? You didn't even call us and tell us you got that. But number two, those are all lies. And you tried to get the governor to do that. So the governor didn't do anything with it. You know why? He knew exactly what she was doing. She was trying to gain political points and never, ever followed up when the governor said, no, we're not doing that. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're live. Hey, Sheriff. Uh, I call her. I don't know, I, I don't know you, uh, but you did something many years ago. That you won me over, and I voted for you uh, ever since. And as long as you keep running, I'll keep voting for you. Because uh, what you did, you you earned so much respect from me. Now, I tried to Google the story uh, so I can show somebody that you did do this. And all I get is that you were Confederate ties. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so maybe you can help me with this. Uh, the thing that you did that won me over was the boys' club. They needed uh, a scoreboard for the yep. gym. Yes. And you went to the prison, and you said something to the fact that you didn't understand how uh, prisoners could have such a beautiful scoreboard, and the boys and girls' club didn't have anything. Right. And you do and you donated that to them. Yes. Now, in my laws. Am I lost in my memory? Or no, no. You... Actually, that actually, call that that was my whole philosophy from the very beginning. That we were not going to be a place where people were going to spend their time in recreation. They were going to spend their time doing rehabilitation. And so we had one of the most beautiful, nicest equipped gymnasiums in the entire Commonwealth, right? And it had electric scoreboards. It had bleachers, uh, glass backboards. I donated the, as you said, the scoreboard, uh, the the uh, scoreboards to the Boys and Girls Club. I took the bleachers and I donated the to Fairhaven Junior High School because parents were sitting on the floor watching their kids play and those kids were doing all the right things. And why are we equipping gymnasiums in a prison so people can sit in there and watch other inmates play basketball? Say thank you, Marcus. Say thank you, Marcus. For what? <laughs> no, for the bleachers at the junior high school in, in so, Fairhaven. But, but but I didn't go there. Oh, I went go. to St. Joe's. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh well, no. the Hastings kids were mean to me, so no. I'm well, they, 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 they may claim to first, but, but the caller the call, the is correct. You know, look, I've always said that, you know, we need to invest. The people are paying for the operations of our jails. Right. And the costs continue to go up and go up. Why is it that they that we're having, we're, we're enabling people who really need to be in programs to avoid them. Instead of, if you said to me, if I grew up in a place where my parents didn't really guide me along, and for 20 years I'm practicing dysfunctional behaviors, don't really know how to be responsible in life, and I end up in jail, why would I set them up for failure by saying, hey guys, you can go to go to an AA program, go to a, one of our vote programs, you can go to one of our educational programs, or you can watch TV, lift weight, play cards. Right. If I'm in there, and I came from that background, I'm watching TV, lift the weights, playing cards, because I never learned that. So why would I feel them, and why would I feel the community? Hey, uh, listen, if you're on the line, stay in the line. I know you've been waiting patiently, uh, and uh, we've got one line open. Uh, if you want to talk to Sheriff Hodgson, you'll be able to right after this break, so stay on the line. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris Marcus and Sheriff Hodgson. I'm Marcus Farrow. We're here with Chris McCarthy and Bristol County Sheriff Tom Hodgson. And if you want to speak to the sheriff, you can at 508-996-0500. Lines are full, but let's go to the phones now to clear up some lines. Good evening. You're live with Sheriff Hodgson. Hi. Oh, sorry. It's the quick and the dead, Marcus. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's the quick and the dead. All right. Um, 
Uh, 508-996-0500. Sorry, call back. Good evening. You're live with Sheriff Hodgson. Good evening, gentlemen. I call it. I just want to say this to the sheriff. It seems to me that you rule that jail with an iron fist. And, you know, these people that come in there have, have a lot of problems. You have no compassion. And to me, what is your rate of the, most of those people that come to jail that end up back in there? Well, that's a great that's a great question. So the recidivism rate. You're asking about the recidivism rate. Yeah, my opponent said we had the highest. Um, the Department of Corrections says that. No, they don't. Depart, depart, that's the problem. The DOC says it says you have a forty percent recidivism. That's rate. not what they were saying. That's okay. that's the problem. That's why my my, my opponent. I I mean I no I saw it. No no, but let me explain it to you because okay. you, you didn't read the report either. I bet. I did read the report. Did you read the first paragraph? What's the forty percent represent? Uh, the uh, residents that live in Bristol County. Me. Residents that live in Bristol County, not necessarily people that were right. in the House of Correction. That's exactly right. Yes. There was two thousand four hundred forty-one people in a Department of Correction state prison study that they did, and that was a state prison, right? Those two, when they were being released, they asked every one of those two thousand four hundred forty-one, "What was the last known address you had?" And it was 40%, in Bristol County. Forty percent of the the total number. Were ha just had addresses. All that measured was what addresses they came from. They didn't mean they committed crimes in our county. I mean, typically, typically you 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 sort of graduate to state prison, right? So people who've spent time in state prison that are from Bristol County probably spent some time in your correctional facility. Well, we have people that come down here from Brockton all the time and live down here um, in some of these places. They didn't work from Bristol County. They may have been here, done 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 a crime up in Brockton, and they just happened to be down here, and that was the last address they had. Th th that doesn't tell you anything. You can talk to anybody, anybody that understands these reports and looks at them will tell you. And, and I wouldn't expect you you would, Marcus, because it's they can be complicated. But that's not a reflection. Hey. I'm no, just kidding. No, no but I, 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 that 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 number yeah. is only reflective of the address. It has nothing to do with how many right. times they've ever been to jail or anything else. Um, so, you know, th this is what happens when people try to grab things and use them to their advantage without really understanding what's going on. And as far as Iron Fist goes... I think there's a lot of inmates that probably um, that you could meet on the street that are going to tell you it's anything but that. And they were happy that I did what I did, which is to build an accountability and have them focus on programs. It's why we have one of the highest uh, high set, which is the high school equivalency graduation rates in, in the entire corrections operation. So what is your recidivism rate then? We don't have an accurate number because, and that's why the state, the Department of Corrections, have been working on this study. They've been doing it. Nobody has. Nobody okay. has what an accurate. So nobody, no, no single county Hello. jail in the Commonwealth knows how uh, the rate of reoffending in the in the, uh, the knows the rate in which their their inmates reoffend when they're out. You can't possibly because if they if they if they commit a crime in your in your facility, right. they leave, and then they commit a crime and they end up in Hampton County. You can't measure that recidivism because you don't know. So we're trying to build it so that we can. And the other part is, um, sheriffs may measure it differently. Some people would say if 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 you were in jail, and you got you you got released, but you had parole, and you violated your parole and came back, that that's recidivism. It's not. Recidivism is measured by another crime that you're convicted of, right? So you could have people coming back on parole violations, right? And, and they didn't commit another crime, and some people count that as recidivism because they came back. The other right. interesting part is, how many crimes do these people go out and commit and never get caught? And how do you measure that recidivism, right? right? I mean, 
So, so look, people play with these numbers, but the truth is the state, DOC and us and, and the mass sheriffs have been working on this project. I was on the 101 commission, so I'm very, very aware of this. Myself and Sheriff Carp- Carpenter for two years were on that commission with the legislature. 508-996-0500. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. You're live with the, sh- uh, with the sheriff. Hey there. I've got a quick question for Sheriff Hodgson. Yes, sir. So I am a swing voter. I'm newer to the area. I've only lived in Bristol County for about six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, it seems like, you know, I'm somebody who's swung a little bit, I'll admit, by like emotional things. And I've read and seen a lot of things in the news mm-hmm. about the sheriff doing things that feels to me like he doesn't quite value like the dignity of some of the people that he is put in charge of. Like there seem to be cases of like dehumanization, whether- Could you give me examples? Yeah, sure. Like um, volunteering inmates to build the wall or hearing that there are, you know- Are you sure you're a swing voter? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, Colin. I'm just kidding, Colin. What's that accent? Where are you from? (laughs) I'm originally from Maine. I'm just kidding, Um, I'm kidding you, Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, like hearing things like that, hearing things like, you know, you have broken air conditioners, and then seeing some literature lately saying that you and your organization, you know, have had to pay lawyers $4 million to settle lawsuits over the last decade or so. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What, what would you say to that? Oh, I, 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 sure. So, so thanks for the call. So first of all, caller. Uh, you can look at any sheriff's department. You can find lawsuits all the time. But prison, that's what prisoners do. They file lawsuits. It's, it's part of what happens uh, in prisons, unfortunately. Um, but but to your point, do about, you know what your numbers are compared to everybody else's in terms of uh, lawsuits filed against uh, the the county sheriff's department? No, I don't know what the numbers are. Okay. They're, they're all different. It depends. I mean, you can get one person file, you can get class action suits. It happens all the time. This is mm-hmm. nothing new. I mean, it's been going about twenty five years of this, right? So anyway, but the other the other point the caller was making was, I think uh, I'm trying to remember now. He said something about. He uh, said that uh, he accused you of uh, dehumanizing, oh, dehumanizing your inmates, uh, uh, and he cited um, your volunteering Them for the wall. inmates for for Trump's wall. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't just offer that from our inmates. I offered it nationally and said inmates could go if they weren't going to if they weren't going to have money to to secure the borders to prevent criminal illegals from coming in here and pouring drugs into our neighborhoods. Then let the inmates go and help build that wall. I also said they ought to go to um, Michigan and lay those pipes, those water pipes that they that they haven't been able to lay for God knows how long, and the people are drinking filthy water. If the inmates want to go out and do good things for their country, if an inmate wants to go help, and, they, and ours might not have even been asked to go do it if they if they accepted it, you would you would obviously look for inmates that are closer down there, mm-hmm. and they would feel they were doing something good for America. And you know what? Particularly the ones that may have gotten unfortunately involved in substance abuse, they might be saying, "Hey, you know what? At least I can prevent my kids from going down that road I went down," or to be able to say, "I got involved in a national project," and you know what? I ended up making a difference for the people in Michigan. I had an opportunity where people came up and said, thank you. And the reason I do work programs and have, I expanded them all over because the more we can get these inmates out in the community doing good things for good people, they're going to associate and get repetitive. Anybody understands, you know, programming, mind programming, they'll understand that repetitive messages start to change people's emotions, behaviors, and the idea of having them out there working in communities Senior centers, painting, fire departments, you know, whatever they're doing, building a tree, handicapped treehouse like they did at the IDDI school. Those things 
Every time somebody comes over and says, thank you, a mayor, a city councilor, a private citizen, hey, thanks for doing that, putting the flags on the graves for the veterans that they do every year. That, that means the world to them. And the more they can associate good feelings with good acts, they start to begin to program and say, wait a minute, I now see a difference and I am valuable. And the more I can get them out to do it. Let me just tell you what happened when we had an IDDI uh, um, uh, treehouse they built down at uh, the IDDI school. For brain injury, residential brain brain injury people. There was only one inmate left when the project was done. And this thing looked like it was right out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It was was amazing. The ramps they built, you could drive tanks up. And these people never would have seen the world from that point of view, ever, if they hadn't done this. The last last inmate that was left came to the ribbon cutting. And he asked if he could speak. And he said, sure, go ahead. You know what he said? He said, I'm convinced that God sent me back to jail so I could do this project. And you know, to say that we're demeaning people and all of that, that, I'm not in the business of doing that. I didn't grow up that way. I, and I teach my new recruits, this is the one job where you every day can make a difference in people's lives if you choose to. Because these are people we're dealing with that come from difficult places, didn't have the same opportunities you did. And there's nothing more powerful than moving people to a better place. And you can talk to anyone of my officers, they'll tell you that. That's what I'm about. I'm not into demeaning people. I, you know, these people, I, I get it. Some of these kids might have been sitting on the stoop while their parents are pushing drugs up and down the street at four years old. You know, I'm not, I, that would be a gross failure to do that. Failure to the inmates and a failure to the public. 508-996-0500. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. You're live with Sheriff Hodgson. Oh, hey, Sheriff. Uh, Tim, how are you guys? Hi, caller. Yeah, um, the, the, that prisoner in question from Truro, uh, your guy coming every 15 minutes. Is that, yes? That's, yeah, that's a security check, yes. Okay, um, do they do that for all prisoners or just for troubled ones like that? Well, this this individual, we, we had no, he was cleared by the hospital. There was no indication that he had any any uh, mental health issues that, that, that we would meet a protocol to put him in a mental health watch. So that, oh, I understand. that's so, what. So, 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 so you're saying that is that you check on everybody for every 15 minutes in the whole prison? No, we check we check on the on the on the uh, regional lockup people every fifteen minutes. We have an alarm that uh, that goes off, and they have to go down to the end of the tier each time. They're checking the the uh, uh, the prisoners that are there that are in the regional lockup. Well, sure, I had a suggest. I have a suggestion for you. I don't know if you've ever thought of it, but how about having a trustee also with a guard checking? So we're, it wouldn't be every fifteen minutes. It would be cut that in half. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean another prisoner? Yeah, another. I don't. I don't know if you guys have trustees. I know you don't have them like uh, down in Macon, Georgia, where they where they, where they give them rifle, rifles. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, uh, no we, we, we do have. We, we have. Trust- I'm gonna throw that in there. Yeah, we have. We have. We do have uh, people uh, that do do uh, work in the prison, but we don't. We don't allow them to do sort of care and custody. I, I got to hold you there, caller. Thank you. Be- no, you can keep talking. I, I, oh, just, had oh, to, I just had to. Oh, uh, dro- I had to drop okay, the caller. So, yeah. So no, but the caller raised a good point. Um, we, you know, we we obviously couldn't authorize that for them to be doing the checks on the prisoners for for obvious reasons. So, um, but but if if we had that opportunity and it made sense, we would we would obviously consider something like that because the more coverage we get the better all right we're going to take a break if you're on the line stay on the line i appreciate you waiting waiting patiently uh you can talk to sheriff hodgson after this break 1420 w- go back to the phones good evening you're live with sheriff hodgson hey marcus yep hey it's Bob mcconnell calling hey what's up you're live with the um, sheriff 
Yeah, that's great. I was just calling because, you know, I began my career in corrections back in 1985. I don't work for Sheriff Hodgson, but I've worked with him and his officers and deputies for decades now. And I just wanted to mention what a valuable service he was providing to the Department of Homeland Security, ICE, and the ERO offices. I've been contracted to them since 2014. And in the past, when he had a contract, he would not only run their operations up at the Burlington office, but had four or five teams out on the road that were providing invaluable services. And uh, we really, really miss him. He uh, he did a fantastic job when I was working full time and we'd bring prisoners down to the Bristol House or Ash Street, any of those all his staff was nothing but top-notch professional and you know he certainly dealt with some really difficult people I started my career in corrections as a nurse and uh, had lots of experiences with suicide I've seen people do damage to themselves with nothing but the stem from an apple uh, scratch themselves where they required stitches uh, real difficult to keep people from hurting themselves when they want when they really want to I think Sheriff Hodgson's doing a fantastic job I support him 100 percent thanks for the call Bob appreciate hey, thanks. it thanks thanks caller and and you know the caller makes a good point I mean you know this is this is well, some... of course he did he was so effusive of you well no 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 no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying from the standpoint of having having lived it been inside you know, that's where you get the real stories. Not people that are on the outside. Never walked in there and started saying the place is filthy because somebody they know in there said, hey, the place is filthy. Of course, they're going to say that. Um, but but the, but the professionals are the ones we want to look at. And we do. And if they come up with, look, every, every single sheriff's office in the country, we're always looking to get to better places. If there's something we can change, because it's constantly evolving. It's a very complex business. We want to do that because we are always searching in pursuit of excellence. All right, hey, we got to take a break. If you're on the line, stay on the line, and we'll be right back.